the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan's big electric switch. Scrappage is now available on your old car when you switch to a 100% electric Nissan Leaf. Uh, welcome back to the Hard Shoulder. It's Mark Hagney sitting in for Ivan Yates. Now, last night, the Hard Shoulder's resident environmental scientist, Dr. Cara Augustenborg, presented Will Ireland Survive 2050 on RTE One, and she did it, of course, with the uh, the Irish institution that is Gerald Fleming. Um, you can still catch that on the RTE player, by the way. Now, while the program had a very strong focus on Irish weather. In 2050, it didn't get to cover one element of climate change that Cara says may be one of the biggest impacts of climate change in Ireland in 2050, and that's food. Okay, Cara. Good yeah, afternoon. You're okay, very hi, hi. Um, j- just before we go to 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 food, uh, this like, will Ireland survive is um, kind of it's a headline grabber in yeah. fairness. Uh, it's also alarmist uh, and it's very strong. I mean, you talking seriously about the survival of the country? Yeah, I, I mean, survival is a, is a word that could be defined in lots of different ways. So will we survive? Will we still be alive? Well, if we don't, that means yeah, we're not here anymore, we'll, doesn't well, it? Well, or will we have the quality of life that we have today? And I think I think we have to f- define what, what what kind of survival do we want? But you know, we looked at 2050 because a lot of the... Um, that was the other question I was going to ask yeah, you. Why that particular date? Yeah, because it, a lot of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change reports, they, they all look to 2100 and there's all these um, reports and media headlines saying, in 2100, you know, sea level mm. rise could be up to seven meters, blah, blah, blah. Um, and 2100 doesn't really mean anything to a lot of us because we won't be alive then, basically. Um, so 2050, actually, a lot of us will be alive. My my daughter will be the age that I am right now. So, you know, she'll probably be having children and, and doing a lot of the things that I'm doing today. Uh, so, so 2050 is something we can get our heads around. So if we look at where we're headed in 2100 and p- possibly work backwards from that, we can figure out where we might be in 2050 uh, and, and show you what Ireland will look like. And, it, and it's great that now there is this visualization of what the country may look like in 2050. Okay, and as part of that, uh, the, the rise of extreme weather that we've experienced over the last couple of years does give us very strong pointers as to how things may look in 2050 if we don't cop ourselves on and fast. Yeah, and, and we're already experiencing a lot of it now. So we know that sea level in Ireland is rising by three and a half centimetres per decade. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but by 2050, you're looking at about 40 centimetres. Uh, so so that's 15 inches. That you know that will affect about half a million people in Ireland. Uh, you know, so, the, so, the, mm. so these will be real impacts by 2050 that we'll be dealing with. And, and we can already start to see signs of them happening now. Well, I mean, I, I live out by the coast, uh, um, just beyond Clontarf, and a really bad high tide, or sorry, a really high tide with the wind blowing in the wrong direction right. and houses all along that road um, um, can be destroyed and have been indeed. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just sea level rise because if you get a storm and a high tide and, you know, if it's spring tides instead of neaps or whatever, you, you can have mm. essentially the perfect storm where you get a lot more storm surges and, and more flooding than, than normal. Okay. Um, just to... I think it would be ridiculous at this stage with the volume of evidence to have to justify your claims about, you know, why the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But give us some specific examples of just how dramatic um, the the change in weather has been. Well, in other words, incontrovertible. You, you yeah. can be a climate change naysayer all you yeah. like, but here's yeah. the facts. So what the data has shown is that globally and in Ireland, we've warmed 
the the planet by one degree Celsius since pre-industrial times. And one degree doesn't sound like a, a lot probably, but if you look at the Earth like a human body, essentially it behaves a lot like a human body. You know, if we if, if our body temperature goes like up a couple degrees, we're in hospital with a fever. So the Earth is the same. One degree on average can mean five degrees or more in, in certain parts of the world. So we're talking about making large parts of the globe uninhabitable strictly from heat. Uh, and, and we've seen in countries where, where there's a lot of conflict that once the temperature gets above 20 degrees Celsius, we see an increase in asylum applications to the EU. So, you know, that, that there's a link there. Um, we see sea level rise happening in Ireland. We see more flooding in Ireland. Uh, we know that for every one degree that the Earth warms, there's 7% more water vapor in the atmosphere. And in the last 30 years, we've seen an increase of about 4% in water vapor in the atmosphere. And that water vapor has to fall somewhere. So we're seeing heavier rainfall, something they call microbursts or rain bombs. Mm. Uh, so this is responsible for some of the more extreme weather. Uh, we've seen the Gulf Stream getting more unstable. It, it's moving a lot more in a, in a more sinusoidal or snake-like fashion than we've seen it before. And that's what we attributed the beast from the east from. That's what we attributed uh, the last heat wave uh, two summers ago um, was this instability in the jet stream. So that's that's the uh, the more extreme weather on both sides, on you know more snow, more rainfall, mm. and more drought. Oh, okay. And this, of course, because it's our atmosphere and our environment, will directly affect food production in all sorts of ways that we haven't even contemplated so yeah. far. Now, people in this country, I, I think, even though we, maybe we've been slow to, to, to get on the, the climate change bandwagon and to become more eco-friendly, etc., etc., in the in the back of our heads, there's this kind of, ah, yeah, but we're the green island. We're the food island. Yeah. Whatever happens anywhere else, mm-hmm. we're always all going to be able to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And that is a, a, a hubris that could come and bite us in the backside. This is really interesting because if you look at it from a calorie point of view, how many calories do do we produce in the country? Up until the mid-1970s, um, we had to import um, more of our calories than we could produce. Uh, and then and then from the 70s to around two th- the year 2000, we were able to grow more calories in this country, or more energy in our food uh, than, than, we need, than we needed. So we didn't necessarily have to import. I mean, we, obviously there's foods we want to import that we we can't grow here, but we were we were able to 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 provide for ourselves, and then until the year two thousand, we saw a flip. Where now actually we do need to import food, and in fact, about half of the the money we spend on food in this country is on imported food. So we're very dependent on imported food. And for me personally, this is the issue that keeps me up at night because when I think about the world in twenty fifty, I see the rest of the world struggling to continue to grow the food they grow today, and wonder what is the impact on food imports in Ireland? How are we going to provide all of that extra food that we need that we can't grow ourselves when other countries are saying, well, we can't grow it either and we certainly can't send it to you? Right. And the kinds of things that um, that we take for granted, um, nuts, fruit, avocado, uh, there's wine. Yeah. I mean, we, we may very well have to get used to the Coffee idea too. of drinking wine with a smoky flavour because... <laughs> All of these wildfires that we see going on in Australia and California mm-hmm. and all the rest of it, these are prime wine producing areas. Yeah, and there's actually there's an Irish man in, in Washington State who whose grapes were contaminated by fire a couple of years ago and he started marketing that wine as as smoky wine because otherwise he'd have to throw it all out. I mean, we know that in, in Ireland we export a lot of cheese and butter and we export some beer and whiskey, but actually um, probably the thing we import the most is bananas. So ninety three thousand tons of bananas uh, come into this country every year and they largely come from Costa Rica and and Belize. So 
if those countries start to experience climate impacts, which we know they're already experiencing, um, then of course they, their their banana production goes down. But even apples, which we could probably grow ourselves, we mm. import sixty two thousand tons of those, uh, forty eight thousand. Why tons would we of, need to bring in apples to this country? Yeah, well, it's amazing. I mean, we we bring in ba- uh, dairy, we bring in potatoes, we bring in beef. We import huge amounts of potatoes. Yes, we do. Yeah, largely from uh, the UK, uh, two thirds from the UK and ten percent from Northern Ireland. So we're not growing enough to feed our population, and uh, and we even have to bring in some dairy and some beef from other countries. Okay. Um, we, one of the things we do have um, is that we have a really, really good, smart agri-food industry and business well, in this country. Well, okay. I beg to differ. But <laughs> well, they're no, very profitable, so they certainly know yeah. how to get certain aspects of, yes. it, of it right. They do know what they're doing. They can look at the data. They can see what's coming down the mm-hmm. track as well as and you. And ignore the environment. Well, okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, but they know. would also have environmental scientists uh, uh, working for them do who they? would be telling them the same things that you would be telling them, I'm assuming. And surely, just out of greed, if nothing else, that mm-hmm. they would be looking at this and going, do you know what? There's a huge opportunity here for us. To grow our own food. Absolutely. And to expand into all, basically place themselves in the catbird seat. Yeah. For when and if this happens. Yeah, you would think, and and uh, but unfortunately, that I don't that isn't happening. I mean, in fact, our horticulture sector has been continued continually declining. It's not being supported at all by our our agricultural policies uh, as a country. In fact, what our agricultural policy is is the intensification of the dairy sector. And when you ask the likes of Chagas, you know, what farmers should be doing, they say all the money is in dairy. Uh, you know, that's what we need to be growing, and we grow grass the best and everything. Now there was a time, and I remember when my grandparents had a dairy farm in Kerry where in addition to to producing milk they were also growing their vegetables they were selling jam you know they were they were trying to diversify their system and and get as much money out of the land as they could in as many different ways as they could and we probably need to start looking at going back to that model of diversification. Okay, I, I, you were making all sorts of uh, noises and faces there when I was saying that about <laughs> them and I didn't mean to gloss over it and no, nor no, no, by the fine. way am I an advocate for them yeah. but I have to stop here and say, hang on a second. Are you telling me that these people are not listening to people like you? Yes, I, that's exactly what I'm telling why you. Not? So, um, I, I suppose they're a vested interest. I'm not sure. You probably have to ask them why not. But I mean, the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Climate Action did write a really good report um, recently on how Ireland could be a leader in climate change. And their eighth chapter on agriculture talked exactly about the need to diversify our agricultural system. It's the only document I've seen come out of the government that has ever talked about diversification. But actually, we're not doing it. There's no. But surely somebody like you, it. it's offering these people the keys to the kingdom. Because, yeah. look, the, the planet is going the way it's going. Look, if, yeah. if we can stop it now and not let things get mm-hmm. any worse, yeah. okay. But we're still in a jocker, as they say in Dublin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so therefore, they need to listen to people like you. You are, ba- you could basically say to them, you do this right and you will In have- the long term, yeah. And maybe this is the difference between short term and long term. Because right now there is a lot of money in, in dairy. and. But when you say talk long term, long term. 2050 is 30 years away. Exactly. Yeah, it's not that long. But I mean, but right now there's a big market, particularly in things like Chinese infant formula. So there's there are lots of people or some amount of people in Ireland that are that are making a lot of money off milk uh, and 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 
milk powder in particular. And, and that's a nice product because it's got a shelf life of forever. So uh, it's an easy one for the food producers to manufacture. And you don't and have to plan for 30 and, years ahead of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and nobody is really looking at the long-term picture of, uh, you know, trying to feed our population. You know, they talk about feeding China and food security globally mm. uh, and producing the beef and the milk for the rest of the world. But they're not really focused on producing the food for our own population. Well, unfortunately, uh, I, I mean, maybe we're getting better where the climate is, con- is concerned and the environment is concerned, but in the vast majority of cases, human nature being what it is, self-interest rules, and people will really only start to get uh, angry or care when it directly affects them. Yes. Now, not all of us drink wine, but almost everybody I know has a cup of coffee at least yeah. once a day. You're, you have very interesting information about coffee and how... how the supply of it, the, the nature of it and the cost of it is going to change dramatically as a result of what you've been Yeah, about. I mean, there's, they're now saying that 80% of the land in places like Brazil and Central America where we, where we grow the, uh, the Arabica coffee bean is going to become unsuitable to grow the crop in 2050. So they're talking about a 50% decline globally of, of coffee bean crops um, by 2050. So that, that's a huge drop in, in availability of the product, which then it means the cost obviously goes up. So, you know, we've all these cafes opening up all over Ireland now. It's really the in thing. Um, and, and and where are they going to get their supplies? Now, I don't think we're going to be a great coffee growing region, even in a in a changing climate. So, so that, that you know, this is going to be a problem if, if you're a big coffee drinker. Bobby Kerr's outside banging his head off the wall. <laughs> so maybe we start growing coffee beans indoors. I think you've given you know? him insomnia. Um, but strawberries, we, we could do really well in strawberries, actually, if we develop that sector, because um, our growing season is going to get longer. Mm. And already the growing season for strawberries in Ireland has gotten longer because of technological advancement. Um, and they're my favorite foods. So I'd be delighted if we, if we, well, we invest could also in that end up sector. Growing wine grapes here, right? Because apparently in, in France now, where they grow the champagne grape, um, that's getting too hot for that. So it's moving further and further up France. They've already yeah. apparently the people who produce it are now um, um, looking at doing it in the UK. In the UK, they're already starting to grow like the the grapes for Pinot Noir and some of those Chardonnay and everything because um, they're actually using it as a way of hedging their bets when they have a. Uh, a drought in France. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, 2050, we could um, we could all be choking to death because the uh, environment is uh, is uninhabitable. But at least we'll have a Mediterranean climate to do it in. Uh, I, I'm, I shouldn't make jokes, but nothing to eat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, just before we go, Cara, uh, thank you very much for that. Um, Thanks, and just before we go, News Talk's very own science f- uh, show, Future Proof, is celebrating 10 years on air this week with a climate action special. Happy birthday to all involved. Uh, they're doing this in association with the Science Foundation Ireland. It's taking place in Trinity from 6 o'clock tomorrow night. That's Wednesday. Jonathan McRae is going to be discussing climate action, the science, and Cara is going to be there as well. But you are everywhere these days, aren't you? You're like oh, a yeah. rash. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, science of climate change and the cutting-edge research that is attempting to, uh, us to tackle the vital signs of the issues around the globe. So, if you'd like to go along, by the way, you can register for your free ticket now at newstalk.com forward slash events.